Hey there, it's Ben. As our community grows, we see some amazing things getting shared with us on Twitter and Facebook, where we try and share them as much as we can. As a heads up this week, and next week, we are doing a special Genesis one-shot with a special guest to show off some of the things that you can do with limited and no preparation with this new system. And lastly, I'm going to give a shout out to our latest patron, Jeff Marchette, and welcome him to the fold. Thank you, and now on to the show! hooked into the door control panel, all leading to an expensive device in my hands, I press the green button and wait expectantly for that wonderful whooshing sound of the door opening. Instead, I get the whooshing sound of a door closing. And two more blast doors close over that. How many layers does this door have? Well, that isn't good. Now, weren't you glad I brought this plasma torch? The smoke rises up to pool on the ceiling as I set the cutting away out of the vault we're now trapped in. With the air getting hazy and thin, I'm glad to hear the major clunk of a door falling outward. And then the fire suppression system kicks in. This is going to be a slippery tale from the Hydean Way, where your host Ben Yendel and David Pickering. Every now and then you run into the sessions where your players just can't roll. They just can't roll worth anything. <laughs> the best roll you get is like with the Destiny pool and they've got all light side points. That's the best roll of the night. And after that, it's... A success with a despair in five threat or something like that. <laughs> yeah, just a cavalcade of failure. The starting premise of the show for tonight is, what do you do on ways of moving the story forward when your characters fail? Like, you can have major plots that the characters can fail. I mean, I've said this before, and I still hold to it, but I don't think failing is necessarily a bad thing. I think ultimate failure, you know, of the... TPK variety is something that should be avoided if you want to keep playing with people because, you know, you sort of abandon all things when you do that. But I don't think that it's necessarily bad for the players to not succeed at everything that they do. If you have a bad night, you know, make it fun. Set the stage for future adventures, but I don't think it's bad to fail. Honestly, I think you just sort of set what probably we're going to be circling around all night is. Set the stage for future adventures. Because in the end, failure shouldn't be the end of everything. It shouldn't just be, okay, we failed, well, we might as well go home. It's, we failed, and how do you make that mean something? How do the players and how do the characters learn from that failure? I mean, I think it depends on your story group, but if you have, say, a group that sets out to do a job, and, you know, let's say Edge of the Empire, that's easy. They set out to do something, they okay. accept cargo, and they have the Han Solo thing happen. You know, they fail. It gets stolen. They're ship is damaged, something along those lines. You know, you've seen an example in the Star Wars movies of how that can unfold and become a new uh, a plotline all to itself. I just think that if you're going to have a failure, make it something that can grow into more opportunities to succeed later on. I don't know which one you're wanting to call it, Knowledge Underworld or Streetwise, but you've kind of got an example of a success with a despair on it with town finding the lando system in the database on the falcon he finds a place where he can set down he finds a place where he can do work and fix up the falcon but there's also the empire there that are then using them as the bait in a trap for luke and at the end of there they get out of it with like by the skin of their teeth or just sort of the start of the Phantom Menace. 
They failed to negotiate. They failed to do all of the things they were trying to do. They pretty much failed all around except for not dying, which is pretty much as close to complete failure as you'll get in a party, especially in Edge of the Empire or, you know, any of these other <laughs> systems. Yep. The Phantom Menace starts off with the biggest set of failures going. You're right. The only success that they really get is getting off of Naboo with the Queen. That's about it. The entire ruling council gets captured by the Trade Federation. It's entirely occupied. Then they continue on and trying to figure out a way of turning that defeat into a way of moving forward. I guess the question I've got for you is, how do you as a GM present the failure when it's coming to your players? Is it just, well, nope, that didn't work? Or do you try and create a little bit of narration around it? Well, I mean, I. what do you mean? Say they are doing a negotiation check, and they flub it. They've got, like, one advantage, three failure, and they got very lucky in that they didn't get a despair. It's not successful. It, they do actually have threat on the roll. Just when things go completely wrong, you mean? <laughs> when things are going wrong for your players, how do you... I mean, I tend to try and escalate it one step at a time. So if they are trying to do something and they fail, especially if they've gotten more than a couple of threats or if they've thrown a despair into the mix, rather than saying, okay, now this is completely thrown out the window, scene over, let's abort and do a different scene, I sort of escalate things. So if they were trying to convince a shopkeeper to give them a lower price, for like an easy example, and they get a despair or they get a high number of threat, Maybe I don't immediately have him throw them out of the shop or call the cops. Maybe the next thing he does <laughs> is whistle, and his bodyguard walks in. And suddenly now there's a bigger challenge. There's still opportunities to succeed down the line, but things have just gotten harder. Because now you're negotiating with the shopkeeper and his big, muscly bodyguard. Okay. And then if you continue to fail, things can escalate from there. Until the point that maybe he is calling the cops or throwing you out of the shop or something like that. <laughs> I like that. With the wide breadth of skills that we have, like... We don't just have negotiation and combat skills and that be all. We do have the mechanic stuff. We've got Streetwise is one of those interesting ones of how would you do a failed Streetwise check? A failed Streetwise check. Streetwise is, I'll admit, one of the hardest ones. For me personally, with my players, well, thankfully I've run into a bunch of really good players, but I've also heard some horror stories about it. I've actually had the worst luck with failed astrogation checks. Because then players just sort of want to do the like a fourth edition D&D term. They just want to take their 20 and do the jump. They'll just keep on trying to roll until they succeed, as opposed to accept a failed roll. Yeah, but I mean, it can sometimes be as hard as a GM to have a player fail as it is for the player to fail. Because from some sense, like even on an astrogation check, maybe you want them to go somewhere. Because that's where you've written the adventure, or that's where you know... <laughs> what's going to happen, and they fail abominably, and there's just no way you can justify three despairs somehow resulting in them getting where they're going. <laughs> and then you have to come up with something else. This is an idea I wish I could say that I actually did, but I don't do this, and I should. But it's, have a couple of sort of backup encounters prepared. Mm. Maybe not, you know, prepare something for everything, but just have one or two at any given time that says, okay, they've failed an astrogation check, here's something that happens. Here's like a skimming in a black hole kind of thing, or here's the Imperial Blockade Ooh. thing, or just some quick thing. Like, it doesn't have to take over the whole night. It can just be a quick encounter, and then you give them another chance at an astrogation check. Failure at a skill check, I don't think, should mean that you've permanently lost the ability to do the thing that you were trying to do. I just think that mechanically, if you fail something, it should either make it harder to do it again, or 
there should be some kind of obstacle that you have to overcome before doing it again. Because ultimately, the players and the GM both want themselves to succeed at the task. You want them to get where they're going. You want them to get the stuff that they want to buy. Like You're not holding it away from them playing keep away. That's not fun. It definitely isn't. For me as a GM, it sort of comes down to the two things. It's either going to cost you time or it's going to cost you methodology. Say you are trying to use Skullduggery to jack into someone's ship and you fail. Me as a GM, I'm going to say, okay, well, that method of you getting in is off the table. But there are other methods. You could try using computers. You could try using mechanics. You could try doing an athletics check to force open one of the airlocks. There's other methods than just using the singular skill. That's one of the reasons why I like this system, is because there are sort of the backups. Just taking a look at those really weird irising airlock things, because... You see one in Empire Strikes Back, and then you see one in Rogue One. In Empire Strikes Back, they're on the Falcon, and it irises open. Lando actually does the single point of safety device use that I've seen in the entire series of clipping off. And goes up, rescues Luke, comes back down. You see the exact same sort of iris automatically opening and closing in Rogue One. And you've got... Jin, sort of, if that was a role, I would say a coordination role of trying to scooch up there. Get through this crushing, chopping, sort of irising door. Which really sort of reminds me of that Galaxy Quest scene where it's just random mashers. Yeah, (laughs) just the random crushing hallway. Why would this even be here? Exactly. It's like, okay, sure. I also like your idea of it having another cost. You can still try it, but it's going to be harder for you to do. Like, the check will be upgraded or an increased difficulty. Something so that the players do have a effect of failure. Like I said, my biggest things with failure are it should be either an obstacle in the way of getting to try again, or it should make trying again harder. Because I think if you take a failure and say, oh, well, you can just try it again. Because that, that's something that I I would definitely did when I was a new GM and that I see new mm-hmm. GMs doing is they really want the player party to get through the door. So when the player fails to pick the lock, they say, oh, we'll try again. Mm -hmm. That negates the failure of any kind of weight and makes the game kind of pointless from a mechanical perspective, because why roll Mm. if you have to succeed to advance the plot? But if maybe they fail to unlock the door and that closes a blast door, they then have to get unlocked before they can try the door again. Maybe the obstacle is they try to unlock the door and it sets off a door alarm. So suddenly they have to figure out how to bluff past the guards who want to know what they're doing in the restriction section. And that can lead to its own obstacles if it goes badly. But ultimately, the failure has to mean something. It just doesn't have to mean you fail to unlock the door, therefore the door seals and the facility goes on high alert and you're going to have to leave and come back next week. That's like three despairs for you. Except for the whole coming back next week part. Right. (laughs) As a GM, you kind of have some form of responsibility to provide it. It's not just, oh, well, you failed this, and the entire adventure hinged on getting this single rule correct. If you fail it, we'll just stop everything, the villain wins, and we all go home. Like, there are some cases where that is, but they're rare and usually at the very end of a long campaign that that rule is earned. Yeah, I just basically feel like, if you think about it from a level design perspective... Okay. Think about, like, for a video game or for some more structured kind of RPGs, like, or, or even just a pre-published module. Mm-hmm. There's a theory of game design and of level design that says that you should have multiple branching ways of getting through to something. Like, basically, if you force all of the branching paths of your story and every option, everything that the players can do has to lead back to one 
point, one gateway. Like, you know, they absolutely have to try to get through this alarmed door in the Imperial base. There's no way around it. You won't let them go through the vents. There's nothing else. Like, you want them to go through this door. Then you basically have to be prepared for something to go wrong. And as a GM, it's your responsibility to make those things fun. Mm -hmm. You know, just because someone fails doesn't mean the adventure gets less fun. Hopefully. The ideal is that the failure would lead to something more interesting that then can, you know, people remember, oh, oh, I remember that time when we set the alarm off on the door and it caused a couple of guys to come and ask us what we were doing in the restricted section. And then the smuggler had to bluff his way out of it. And he was really funny because it gave him a good role-playing opportunity. You know, that's that's the ideal. Like sometimes those despairs and those weird wild tangents that for some reason you have prepared or you're just sort of riffing on can lead to something really interesting and memorable on their own. I know it was plotted, I know it was scripted, but the entire Ewok adventure in Return of the Jedi just sort of screams failed role. Right, exactly. Trying to sneak up on the scout troopers trying to get their rides so that they can get into the base, and, well, they mess it up. He actually steps on a twig, so they see. So they turn and see Han there. They start shooting, they take off, all the other fun stuff that happens. And then you get the little murder Ewoks, the weird attempting to eat stormtroopers, like the whole thing. And, well, sometimes maybe a bit better than attempting. Like In a lot of the cases, the failed roles is where I remember it as a GM and as a player. From my perspective, if you just succeed and succeed and succeed and succeed and succeed and nothing ever really goes wrong for the characters, that is sort of the equivalent of reading a really bad fan fiction about Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, really, though, like, yeah. this is a story about that Jedi that always succeeded, and he had all the powers, and he could do all the cool things, and nothing ever went really wrong for him, because it's a power fantasy, and it's badly written fan fiction. Mm -hmm. A good role-playing game includes opportunities to role-play, and role-playing comes best in conflict, and not in, like, actual shooting conflict, but, like, when there is a discrepancy between what the players want to do and what's actually happening, because then they have to make that gap up with role-playing or skill choices or interesting things. Precisely. Okay, uh, running heroes, I've got the prep of having, in most cases, I've got two ways that things can go. In some cases, it's like three or four different options presented to the players, and they choose one. If they succeed, if they fail, it goes in a particular direction. I do have most of the failures plotted out of, well, what can happen in this case? What's the worst that can happen? Where everyone dies around the heroes and then they get taken captured as slaves. But, eh, you know, things. Depending on where they are in the adventure. Right. <laughs> I mean, that could be a thing. Like, you know, you get captured and that results in another adventure next week. The timing, ha like, that has to be one of those things, like, we talked about endings before. <gasps> if you yeah. come close to the end of your adventure and the players colossally fail, Maybe you have a week to plan, or you have however long before the next session to plan. So just use that time and say, okay, well, we're going to put off what was going to happen next week and do it in two <laughs> weeks. And next week, we're going to have the adventure where you get out of the hut gladiator pits. Okay. A, thank you. You just solved an issue for me. And B, <laughs> no, in all seriousness, you've solved a weak spot in the uh, friends like these that I had been trying to think over. Thank you. And also... That's a great way of putting it. Like, sometimes you can colossally fail as long as the characters aren't dead. As long as you don't have that TPK, you still have the ability to keep going. As long as there's life in these characters, there is still a chance for them to do something. Yeah, exactly. It's not the end of the road when someone fails, even when someone fails badly. Because short of you saying, as the GM, 
you die. Their character can still do things and redeem themselves or come back from that. That's a really good point on a few accounts. One is, as a GM, you kind of need to be ready for that. That, yes, your players can fail that horribly. That, yes, they can get captured by the huts. I mean... <laughs> uh, it's done in Attack of the Clones and Return of the Jedi. One, they get captured by Geonosians and wind up in a gladiator pit. And they're pretty much halfway to the point of them breaking out. At least until they get the droids sent in for them. And then the Jedi show up and then the clones show up and then just weird things happen. Those three, Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Padme, they pretty much had it. After getting captured and everything seeming lost and dire. I mean, yeah, that that is a great example. Every character in the party failed colossally in Episode 2, and it ended up with all of them captured in a gladiator pit. Did that end the story? No. It made it more interesting. It gave the GM, in the hypothetical situation that this was a role-playing game, the opportunity to have a cool reveal moment when the Jedi and the clones show up. And maybe that GM wasn't planning to do that that way before. Mm -hmm. But it creates a climactic moment for it to happen when they've reached the end of their rope, so to speak. As a GM, you're sort of trying, like... Some of us are really bad at it, some of us are really good at it, but what we're trying to do is sort of modulate the highs and lows, because, as you said, you can't be at a high all the time, and you can't be at a low all the time, otherwise they mean nothing. If all you do is succeed, what's the point? And if all you do is fail, what's the point of showing up next week? Right, exactly. As you're trying to modulate it, like swing from the, say, horrible session where nothing went right, the players get captured, well... Maybe it's time to cut that session off early so that everyone's not really feeling that wounded about it and set the scene for what's coming next so the players can figure out, oh, okay, we can plan this. We can come up with our harebrained scheme that you as a GM can figure, all right, yeah, that sounds like it could work. It'll be weird, it'll be fun, and yeah, let, let's try this. Let's see how well it does kind of like that point of ending on a dramatic low and then allowing it to come back the next session to try and raise up. I mean, and you don't have to prolong the low into the next session. Like, you know, if you end a session with, you're all captured by the guards, they're, you know, they're all around you, they've got electro spears, they're hurting you into cages, you don't know what's going to happen. You can start next week with a few minutes down the line or a day down the line or so and say, you know, they've strapped you to metal poles. <laughs> out in the middle of the gladiator arena, and they're releasing <laughs> animals. Go. That starts with an action scene that gives the characters the opportunity to do some stuff. Bingo. And they don't have to prolong the failure from last week, but it still has an impact, and it still has plot threads come from it. I kind of go back to the thing I was saying with that, is if you're going to try and do something like that, let the players know about that early, so that they can start planning for the, I'm wanting to get a binding as a, we fight the animals. Now I'm just sort of thinking of the very first gladiator fight in Gladiator, where the competitors are chained to each other as the actual gladiators are coming in. The slaves are chained to each other. Like, one has a weapon, the other one has a shield. And the entire point is, they're supposed to die. And you've got Maximus and... I can't remember the guy's name. It's been a long time since I watched it. The two of them start working together to get out of it. If you start off with... Just sort of to set the initial scene of... Skip forward a few hours and... The players are now... Say, stripped of their equipment and... Particular things in their hands. Like spears or axes or whatnot. You can hear the people cheering... 
as you're seeing the gates rise, and that's how the session ends, so that they can see that there's something going forward for them instead of it just being, well, we're all captured now, there's not really anything to do. Unless you've got a TPK moment, there's always a way out. This is a role-playing game. It's kind of like any sort of adventure movie. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, ultimately, this game doesn't really exist. Like, nothing that we're doing happens in real life. (laughs) Nothing is permanent. The entire thing is in your minds, collectively, and can be rewritten at the stroke of a pen, at the utterance of a sentence that says, okay, you're not really dead, or, you know, we're going to not do that, because that's not fun, that's not what we want to do. You don't have to, it's just sacrosanctity to the roll of a dice. Failure can be what you want it to be as a group. If your group says, you rolled the die, and it came up a failure at a critical juncture, and the GM says, you know, I don't have anything for you to fail this. I know I said, you know, that makes failure kind of pointless earlier when I was saying, you know, if you just said and try again, but you could say, you know, I don't necessarily have anything prepared for you to fail this, so let's figure out what we can do to make what I have work with what you rolled. You can ask the players for help. Good point. It doesn't have to be the GM being impressive and pulling out an entire adventure model out of their hat that they've created just in case you happen to fail to bluff the stormtrooper. <laughs> to take a lesson from Stranger Things, you know, he failed the bluff check on the guard to get into the morgue, so he punched him, and they moved on. You know, like, that was a failed <laughs> check, and it didn't take that long for him to get into the morgue after that. He failed the check, he said, all right, I punched the guard, he rolled enough, the guard knocked unconscious, takes the keys, goes in. Things happened, there was consequences to the failure, because now he's had to punch a guy, but it didn't have to, like, bring the adventure to a screeching halt when the GM tried to figure out how Hopper could get into the morgue. Dang good point. I just sort of had the flash of, while you're talking about trying to bluff a stormtrooper to get into a particular area, If you're trying to bluff stormtroopers, the first thing they're going to try and do is arrest you and march you off into the facility. Chances are you're past the first level of security anyway, just by failing. But now you've got armed guards that are trying to keep track of you. Again, it's sort of failing, but then making it more difficult once you're in. So you do have to punch them or shoot them. It really doesn't have to be a complicated consequence of failure. I think it's easy to fall into the assumption that, oh, well, I need to come up with some sort of really finely tuned encounter to be the result of them failing this piloting check to get out of the crowded dockyards without knocking into something. It can literally be as simple as <laughs> your ship bangs into a parked ship and you take a couple of hull points of damage or you take a hull point of damage or system strain or something. Yeah. And now you have to decide whether to stop and let the authorities come over and fine you for doing that or try and make a break for it. And that has its own set of consequences. And then I didn't make that up beforehand. I came up with that in the last, let's see, like six seconds of recording time. It's not <laughs> because I'm some brilliant GM. It's just sort of natural. Like, it's what ha- would happen if you ran into a parked car. You have to wait and see if the cops come yep. or, you know, if the person comes out and you swap insurance information. Now, granted, you really don't want to roleplay swapping insurance information in Star Wars. That's fine. I don't blame you for that at all. But it doesn't have to be a long scene. It could just be... As simple as, oh, well, you failed the piloting check, you crashed into this car, you've knocked some of the paint off of your ship, and you've dented a whole point's worth of damage. And if that's all you want to do, then that's all you have to do. It's Star Wars. Worse things than that happen on a Tuesday. Me being the mildly cruel GM, I would, in Edge of the Empire, I would try and toss in a singular point of obligation. Yes. Just sort of like, there's a 1% chance that if rolled, something from that collision is going to show up at a later date. But the key is that that really isn't a penalty on the player. It's not like, ah, you get less not fun really. because you did this. It's just saying, okay, this has happened. Here's a plot hook. I'll come back to that later. 
you've been actually really great for ideas for different sorts of failures tonight. <laughs> Apparently being ill is a great inspiration tool. <laughs> I mean, failing resilience checks is sort of where it started. Yeah, see, I failed my check, and as a result, the GM was like, well, suddenly you've come this wellspring of knowledge tonight, so go for it. <laughs> <laughs> yep, failing with advantage, maybe even a triumph. We've been sort of dealing with a lot of smaller failures. Like, failing for an entire session is kind of brutal. Now, it isn't kind of brutal, it is brutal. It's actually a very demoralizing thing. Me as a GM, I start kind of feeling pity for my players if it's just, oh, they haven't succeeded at a role yet. Yeah. <laughs> or they've been seeming to succeed, but then get this boatload of threat because, well, apparently the bad dice are only rolling threat tonight instead of failure. And uh, I've had those nights. It's weird. I mean, and ultimately, the part of the thing that you have to watch out for is that your players, whether or not this is happening, your players don't get the perception that the difficulty bar is set too high. Like, don't I'm trying to figure out how to explain this. I, I've been in sessions where this has happened. It's not really the GM's fault. It's more demoralization. But like, if nothing's going right, and if the players start to perceive that you've created an adventure or a module or a test or something that's too <laughs> difficult for them at their level, you, you just feel like, oh, it doesn't matter because I can't roll well enough because this is too hard. This is less fun, and it's not like playing a video game where it's like, oh, I just set the difficulty too high, I'm not good enough. It's literally, you know, the GM whose responsibility is to plan an adventure that will be fun and appropriate to my level of experience as a character has failed to do that. So if you notice that your players are failing a lot because you're giving them three red dice on all their checks, or even something as simple as saying, I keep making characters take tests that they haven't got ranks in because they're doing things that are not normal for them, and the very easy trap of falling into of giving the player the same check you would give the player that is trained in that skill because of some sense of like integrity. Like, I've got to make this the same difficulty for both <laughs> characters. But realistically, what's easy enough for the bounty hunter to do is something that the diplomat probably cannot do. Very true. That's one of the nice parts about having a player party instead of just a singular player. And the reason why when you do have a singular player, have like secondary characters for them. That way you have a breadth of skills, so it isn't just, this is the only person there, so they have to both be charming and have to be able to coerce this other person. It can work. Sometimes builds are like that, sometimes they aren't. And especially if it's your bruiser who's only really good with weapons, that can go really dicey any which way. You're right, David. Get the difficulty set for the character and for the scene of what the player's trying to do with the character. And this is something that, you know, I struggle with as a GM sometimes is that you want there to be this sort of ephemeral sense of integrity. Even if the players never notice it, you want it to be the same difficulty for everybody, or you don't, you know, the stormtrooper you meet today is going to be the same hardness as a stormtrooper you met yesterday because just out of some sense of like fair play or something, or like as a GM, mm -hmm. I need to never tip the table in one direction or another. You know, my finger can never be on the scales because to do that is fudging it or cheating in the player's favor or something. And Really, that sort of reveals this underlying assumption that the players are engaging in some kind of game of chance and skill where they can fail or succeed in sort of equal measures. Like the players have come to play Baccarat or Blackjack or something, and they're trying to <laughs> trying to win money out of you. Like they win if they happen to roll well enough and, and play well enough to succeed. And if they lose, then bad things happen to their characters and they don't have any fun. And realistically, they've stepped up to the table to tell a story, and you are the facilitator, 
you are running the background, you are creating interesting things to happen. And if they're not rolling well, you can change the parameters they need to roll because that will make things more interesting. It's not like cheating to do that. Like cheating would be very hard to do in a role-playing game without rolling something in full view of everyone and saying this is not going to happen this way or you know continually changing the dice results to get results you want rather than things that the group wants. Really the only way to to cheat at a role-playing game is to somehow make things go your way as opposed to everyone else's way. You said right there what the essentially definition of cheating in a role-playing game is. Cheating really is seeing what the dice result is and then disregarding the dice result. And now I will say there's a caveat on that. I do think there is room, especially if a GM is rolling something in secret and rolls something that just would make the story uninteresting. You know, if they have a big bad villain who's coming out to try and intimidate the players, and he rolls three (laughs) despairs, and to make him suddenly seem like an imbecilic fool right before the big climactic showdown would rob the players of some sense of victory, I might fudge that a little bit and give him just enough to be mildly competent feeling right before the players fight him. I might fudge it a little bit for the sake of the story, but I wouldn't fudge it if it was just the case of, oh, I really like this NPC and I don't want them to die because they've rolled poorly. Yeah, that's what cybernetics are for. <laughs> Unless the it's their head. Yes, exactly. And clones and all sorts of fun things. So the players have failed this role, maybe with despair. Most of the heroes episodes have a despair on it, or at least every other one, it seems. So something bad happens. But that isn't the end. And one of the things that you can sort of look at is if players are continuously failing at what's happening, the way forward needs to change. Just like what David's saying, just like what half of you are probably yelling at your podcatchers right now, is they need to change. So you're failing at this method. Okay, so what's a method that's going to work well for the players? Are they a bunch of bruisers that have tried to charm their way into something? Okay, that obviously isn't working. Let's just break out the guns and start shooting our way in. It may be a bit more technically difficult, but it's right up the character's alleys as opposed to something that's really not. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think that you should play true to your characters, have fun with it, and it shouldn't be something to have a whole, you know, heart-to-heart agonizing conversation about whether or not you can really accept a failure. I mean, just have fun with it. Do something else, but don't just grind the game to a halt and have an existential discussion about the meanings of failure. (laughs) What would happen next, and how can it be interesting? And if it just results in the guns coming out, that's not a failure on the part of the GM. That's what the players want to do. They're the ones that pulled the guns. The The GM didn't say, you pull your guns. The GM can say, now the Stormtrooper is going to pull a gun. That's legitimate. There's way too many players that I've met who will just try and wheedle and wheedle and wheedle to try and you know, get to the point of succeeding so that that doesn't happen. But eventually, there's no realistic way in which a threatened person is going to just continue to let you try talking to them until you suddenly convince them of your good intentions. But again, that's not the end. That's the obstacle in the way. The Stormtrooper pulling his gun and leading to a combat scene, it's probably not going to be very long. No. It's just the obstacle preventing you from trying immediately again. It's making the door opening more of a thing. That's a really good way of putting it. I do have the one sort of big question at the end before we get to final thoughts on this. You've got this plot that you've been going, your players have been going at for several sessions, you've been thinking on it. Can your players actually fail the big mission? Say they're going to slay the dragon, 
Oh. Say they are going to assault a Imperial facility and rescue a bunch of captives. I actually like your Slay the Dragon example because I have a pretty good example of the heroes failing to do that in something that's probably fresh in people's minds. The players have gone off to Slay the Dragon. It's the big climax. Yep. They get in to Slay the Dragon and end up making him angry, discovering a potential weakness and scaring him out of the mountain he lives in. Suddenly, the climax has shifted, and he's attacking a town. Now that things have changed, you know, the Hobbit, obviously, but like that's exactly the example that I started going towards. Yeah. Like that's the whole thing. The big bad thing, they failed at. They even got the advantage of, hey, look, we now know where to like hurt Smug. And they failed for the quintessential role-playing player's reason: they were too busy trying to grab the loot. That makes it even better. That <laughs> makes it even better. They were more concerned with the treasure than with dealing with the problem in front of them, and it created a bigger problem. I don't think there's anything wrong with failing the big climax. If you want to set up the scene where they run at the Death Star and they fail and it blows up the rebel base, fine. Move on. There's another rebel base. There's another run at the Death Star. There's always an opportunity. Mm-hmm. It will just make it all the sweeter when they actually pull it off. Or it's that story about how they tried and failed to blow up the Death Star eight times in a row. And that's still kind of funny. You want to make sure that doesn't get demoralizing for your players, but there's still also, oh, look, there's this one thing that the players just can't do, and it will become a running joke. Yeah. Because eventually you got to laugh or you got to cry. You can build on that with incremental successes. Like, yes, they've failed to blow up the Death Star the first time, but Red Leader did blow a hole in the exhaust port, so it's a little easier to get into. Maybe the players rolled well enough advantage that the Empire didn't realize what they were trying to do. That guy never came to Tarkin and said, there is a danger. You know, he never figured that out. <laughs> Or maybe they fail completely. The Empire figures out, oh, this is a huge area that could be exploited by someone else. And then they have to come up with a new solution and a new problem or a new way of approaching the problem. Then comes the really complicated deep cover mission to infiltrate the Death Star and start making major systems malfunction. You know, it just sets up a different game. It's mm -hmm. a role-playing game. The players can succeed eventually. The GM can make it happen. But if you fail along the way, I think that you should not take that as a sign that, oh, well, it's over. The Empire has blown up the Rebel base, and the Rebels are dead now. Because you have the power as the GM to say, the Rebels are mostly dead, <laughs> but not all dead. That's kind of the whole thing, is I just keep going back to Return of the Jedi. The Empire knows they're coming, mm -hmm. because of whichever methodology you want to go with, that Palpatine found out, Palpatine orchestrated the whole thing, like, whatever. Palpatine knows that the rebels are coming. They spring the trap, and the rebellion should be dead at that point. But through weird happenstance and a failed set of rolls, and a really weird bored player trying to take a swipe at meat, <laughs> they end up befriending this army of amazing carpenters that then try and take on all these stormtroopers and succeed. And then the plan's able to go forward. Sometimes it just turns into these really sort of weird out there moments that, yeah, in the end, the failure adds a side quest that technically, if you want to look at it in a pure mechanical fashion, costs time. Yeah. But you've got this side quest that then turns into its own story. And that's kind of what we're all here for. Ultimately, I think of failures, if you think of a river, the story is a river. This, this may be a terrible analogy, so just, you know, buckle your seatbelts. But if you think of the story as a river flowing downstream, and continuing success just keeps you going down the same path of the water. When you fail, that's when you take the branching path. Eventually, you're still going to get somewhere. You're still going to get somewhere interesting, most likely. You've just taken a different path to get there. 
And if you just keep going in the same direction, you're never going to see all of the various different ways that things could have turned out, the different branches, the different turns. Failure, I don't think, should be considered a bad thing in a role-playing game. People assume it is, but I think it's just an opportunity to have a more interesting story. I absolutely agree with that. Even shooting blasters and failing, there's still a bit of a story there that you can tell. Like, the blaster shots are going wild, or if you fail bad enough, you're, like, releasing puffer pigs, or this reek gets out of its cage and starts stampeding towards the players or something. Do you ever notice how most movies' gunfights are not two people pull guns, run to cover, and start shooting until one of them falls down. It's really boring. (laughs) (laughs) It really is. Real life does not provide good stories. You know, in real life, gunfights apparently take very little time, are very short, and usually happen either at such close range that it's over before either person has had a chance to really know what was going on, or at such distance that, you know, you don't even know who's shooting at you or from where. I don't know, I just keep going to... Yeah, it is sort of movies, but Okay, I was just recently watching Die Hard 4, Mm -hmm. the unrated edition, no less, because (laughs) it was on sometime at night and I PBR'd it. I don't know why. (laughs) I actually like the movie. There's only one prolonged gunfight in the entire show. Otherwise, it's a couple shots from McLean, a couple shots at McLean, and someone's dropped, or he's run away, or they've run away. It's always the danger's there, and then you get away from the danger. It's trying to be a bit more... I really hate to use this word in reference to Die Hard 4, but they try and be at least realistic with the gunplay in there. Mm -hmm. It's still a Die Hard movie. Yeah. Even in the point of where they do have the single giant gun battle, you have other things going on. You've got gunshots that wildly go wrong in one direction, causing the eventual explosion that sort of ends the gunfight. Mm. Even with misses, and other than three bullets, every other shot in the entire thing for that gunfight is a miss. But the amount of raw destruction that happens, it's a huge amount of failure that ends up having a kind of interesting scene, at least for the beginning of a movie. Yeah. It's kind of that time. David, do you have any sort of final thoughts on failing... From the small scale to the large scale for our listeners? I think small scale or large scale, the ultimate result is the same. If you fail something in an RPG or one of your players fails something, I think that there should be an impact, that that impact should not prevent the adventure from moving forward, and that it should either introduce an obstacle or a additional level of difficulty. Uh, that obstacle can be anything from a very simple obstacle like... You know, like I was saying about the blast door shutting on top of the other blast door or something. Now there's a new thing you have to do before you can make an attempt. (laughs) Or it could be something prolonged, like you get caught by Ewoks and have to go on a long adventure trying to win them over to your side. You know, it's really up to the group and up to the GM to decide that. But those detours, I think, are an essential part of making it more than just a linear progression. That's what sets role-playing games apart from like the sort of Call of Duty railroad tracks with occasional (laughs) button presses that if you fail, you die and have to go back on the tracks a little bit. Uh, Yes, Battlefront 2. I haven't played it. I I may rent it at some point, but I... uh... Honestly, I do find it fun, but the single player is... uh, It's a Battlefield game. Yeah. Same diff as, as Call of Duty. It's a linear story that every now and then, if you fail, you go back. Right. And, you know, that's okay. I, I do tend to like linear games. There was a really great article on Kotaku about linear games uh, and Dead Space 2. 
But that's neither here nor there. Mm. I'll link it to you sometime. From my own final thought, it's failure is only the end if you and the player group let it be the end. Mm-hmm. As long as the players are wanting to take another kick at it, as long as you're wanting to try getting up and doing something with it for the player group, that's what makes these characters heroes, is getting beaten down and getting back up. And sometimes we can do that on a tabletop instead of having to do it in away from the table. Sometimes that's where things start. That's one of the things that I absolutely love about role-playing games, is that it allows you to sort of psych yourself up to things and tell really cool stories. Tossing the plasma torch aside, the last door caused the power pack to fuse. Taking a breath of fresh air as I slump against the wall while the foam falls from my breath mask. Alright, David. Do you have a way off this roof? Fortunately for you, I always bring my 50-foot length of rope whenever we head out into the wilds of space. Unfortunately for you, the middle of Coruscant is not the wilds of space. All I have is a comlink in Christine's frequency. Uh, we'll have to call for help next time on another tale from the Hydean Way. You can find show updates on Twitter at the Hydean Way, and I'm at AKA Agent Shades. And I'm at Deuterium Ice. We are all at thehydeanway.com, where you can find previous episodes, links to things we talk about on the show, and our live play podcast, Heroes of the Hydean Way. Our podcast is on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, where you can find more episodes and help us out by rating and reviewing us. Drop us a holocom at tales at thehydeanway.com. We're also on Facebook as Tales from the Hydean Way. If you like what we do and want to support the show, you can find us at patreon.com slash thehydeanway. Or ko-fi.com slash the Heidi and Way.